There are a variety of different ways for the front office to try and fix the Cardinals for 2024. And today, we're joined by 101 ESPN's Brooke Grimsley to figure out the best way to get all of it done. This is Locked on Cardinals. You are Locked on Cardinals, your daily St. Louis Cardinals podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Cardinals fans. I'm J.D. Haffern, and I'm a national radio sports anchor, born and raised in the Lou, and a lifetime Cardinals fan, and I'm your host for Locked On Cardinals, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Follow me on Twitter, X at J.D. Sports Radio, the podcast available at LO underscore Cardinals. We want to thank those of you who make Locked On Cardinals your first listen every day, free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Also on YouTube, if you like the visual aspects of a show like this, by all means, come on by, like, subscribe, comment. That way you're interacting with us. Hit the notification button so you know when new episodes are posted. This is a show serving Cardinal Nation and giving the best fans in baseball all of the info about the birds on the bat. Today's episode brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Not a bad deal there. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. Uh, well, as you can see, we have ourselves another guest here today. We've got uh, 101 ESPN's Brooke Grimsley joining us. Uh, just got off the air not too long ago from uh, your show there with the with the boys. How are things today, Brooke? Well, JD, thank you so much for having me on. And everything's going pretty good. I think everybody's just anxiously waiting for what the Cardinals will do this offseason. That's been the big talk of us in the mornings. And so there's been a lot to talk about and a lot of guessing of what the Cardinals will do. Yeah, everything is really speculation right now, but that is part of the fun of the offseason. It gives us a chance to uh, all play the the role of John Mozeliak and, uh, you know, come up with different ways that we think would be the best way to spend their money, which is great because we don't have to spend ours. <laughs> <laughs> That's always nice, right? Just to speculate on what they should be doing with their money. It, it's almost like playing Monopoly in a sense. For sure. For sure. Now, before we get into things, uh, since this is the first time you've actually been on Locked on Cardinals with us, I wanted to to get some background about yourself so that people who may not be familiar with the show on uh, 101 ESPN, uh, what what they know about you. Uh, what's your background like? Uh, born, raised? Where, where are you from? So I am born and raised. I was born and raised in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. It's right outside of Nashville, Tennessee. And I moved here to St. Louis about five years ago now uh, for the job. I was at KMOV, a longtime sports anchor and reporter there. But just growing up, uh, growing up around Nashville, Tennessee, a huge Titans fan. So there's been a lot of ups and downs with the Titans this season, if you've been paying attention to the NFL. But as a Titans fan, I'm pretty much used to that. I grew up playing tennis competitively. So I've just always been obsessed with sports. My dad is the one that got me into sports and just really loving it. And I made sure that I could always find a way to stay around it. And so I'm very lucky to continue to have this career in sports broadcasting and just have a lot of fun doing this too. Now, when people hear you're a Titans fan and then we've got still, I'm sure we got a few Rams fans that are still around St. Louis. How tough was that, that final play of the Super Bowl when the Rams actually beat the Titans? What a, what a crazy spot that was. 
Well, isn't it a little ironic that I'm in the city that just absolutely crushed Little Brooks' hopes and dreams of winning <laughs> a Super Bowl? It's really ironic. And I was actually able to meet Mike Jones, which everybody knows Mike Jones and what he was able to do, especially against the Titans. And so meeting him for the first time when I moved here to St. Louis when he was the high school football coach over at SLU, that was a very surreal moment. But I tell people all the time, that was probably one of the best eras of football to witness. You had the greatest show on turf, and then you had the Music City Miracle in Nashville with the Titans. And I'm just very lucky that I found a way to find this connection now with St. Louis and the Rams and what they had here, and then have that connection with the Tennessee Titans. And it was just such a special time for NFL. Yeah, it was uh, it was quite enjoyable, and the, not much has changed for the Titans, man. It's all about the running game still. It's all about defense and running with those guys. They just haven't shifted all that much. Um, <laughs> how did you get into the the radio side? You brought up being on uh, you know TV with KMOV, uh, the radio side, which is something that uh, you've I, in radio recently is like in, within the last three years. But uh, you you joined the the morning show with Randy and Carrie there on uh, 101 ESPN on the uh, the opening drive. How did that come about? And uh, are you enjoying radio compared to what TV offers? I love sports radio so much. And so I mentioned how my father is the one who really got me into sports. He is a sports radio nut. So at home growing up, the radio was always on. And that's what, what I always really gravitated to is the personalities that you would listen to on the shows. And I was lucky enough while I was in Nashville in college to intern with 104.5 The Zone and work with Blaine Bishop, a former Tennessee Titan. He's still one of my mentors to this day. Fantastic guy. Has a great show on there, Blaine and Mickey with 104.5 The Zone. I still keep in contact with them. And so when I interned there with the radio station, I always knew I wanted to find a way to get back into sports radio. And so I, after college, I got a job in Arkansas covering the Razorbacks. And then this opportunity in St. Louis came up a few years ago, and I knew that coming to St. Louis, you really have to know your sports and you have to be passionate about it. And I took it as a challenge because one, I knew how much St. Louisans love their St. Louisans and how much they love their sports. And I feel like if you could win over some fans here, you're getting like the truest form of sports fans because of just how passionate everybody is here. Um, and then after working in TV for a while, I just always had this itch and this urge to get back into radio. I became very close friends with my now co-host, Randy Carricker. Randy is fantastic, as you all know here in St. Louis. And he just really stood out to me because he was always at events and he was always asking amazing questions. And so we built up a relationship. And when the opportunity came up, I jumped all over it. And Randy was a big part of helping me get the job over at 101 ESPN. And I started March. And it's just been such a amazing and fantastic journey. Yeah, radio can be a, a lot of fun. And we don't have to get as dolled up as you do for TV, which is always nice, yeah. too. We can wear sweatpants exactly. to work and a hat, yeah. and it's okay. It's not a problem. Uh, yeah. Question about the morning show itself, the yo-ho, where did that come from? That's that's one of the things when I first started when you first got on there and I was listening to it because I you know I'll listen to the podcast version if I can't catch it live and uh, that's the one thing that always stands out. I'm like, where did that come from? Where's the brainchild with that? Uh, I think that that's definitely a Randy character special. Randy <laughs> does such a good job at coming up with that stuff and it's a play on the number right that you put into your phone. And we decided one day though to really just spice it up. And I suggested kind of doing the power play dance that the blues do, right? But oh we make boy. it the yo-ho. Because now we, we are on YouTube. So while you mentioned you can't get 
you didn't have to get as dolled up as I do on TV. Now I do have to keep in mind that I'm on YouTube now, which is what we have available. So I can't look at Cohen looking absolutely crazy. But we just like to have a lot of fun with the Yoho. Uh, surprisingly, there's a lot of people who don't like it, but I think it's fun. It's catchy. Some people are just Grinches. I don't. I don't know what to tell them. Just have, have fun in life. Don't be so mean about things. Um, exactly. Real quick before we get into how we're going to fix the Cardinals, uh, a little recap of how bad the season was. Obviously, we know where we were. Last place, not good, not fun. Who were you most impressed with? Who would you say is like almost like the team MVP? from 2023 that, that stood out to you that like, despite as bad as things got, you were like this person, I was impressed. Well, I have two guys and for a very specific reason, because as we know, this was a very disappointing season for the Cardinals. So it seems a little weird to find anybody to point out as a highlight, but I have an MVP and co-MVP. My MVP okay. of the season is going to be Jordan Walker. I mean, 15 home runs, no, 16 home runs, right? And 51 mm -hmm. RBIs for him this season. Everything he went through. He made it to the open day roster. Then he was sent down. That was something that a lot of people didn't agree with. But when he came back, the way that he just really handled that adversity and the way that he was able to really grow as a player, one at the plate, but also as an outfielder, the way he took on that challenge was something that was really impressive to me and exciting for the future of the Cardinals. It's, it's weird to talk about the excitement of the future of the Cardinals when you had such a bad season, but Jordan Walker and his progression and the way that he was really able to handle things, to me, is a very bright spot for the Cardinals moving forward. In that same line of thinking with the co-MVP, I'm going to say Wilson Contreras. I mean, it's no secret. This was a very challenging season for Wilson Contreras, especially everything that happened so publicly. But I'm telling you, J.D., the way that he handled all of that stuff, when the Cardinals decide to make him not the catcher anymore and they were going to have him more as a DH, they were talking about him having him in the outfield, the way that he was able to handle that challenge, I can't say that I would have seen many other players handled it in such a classy way that Wilson Contreras did. And he really is truly, having been in that clubhouse, getting to know him really well, he really, truly does care a lot about the Cardinals and doing whatever it takes to make them be successful moving forward. Yeah, I, I love both of those selections. Uh, it couldn't have been easy because we forget how young Jordan Walker is and he's learning that new position. And for so many people to be so hard on him when he's only been playing outfield for a year, guys, like what have you accomplished over a year that you've never done before? Like that's not easy. And to learn at the major league level is even that much more difficult. So uh, it, it was it was really impressive to see him continue to thrive at the plate while still trying to figure out what he's doing in right field. And uh, of course, Contreras. Yeah, obviously that's uh that's huge. Uh, you know, a lot of people could have thrown a fit and go, get me out of here. Then if this is the way it's going to be. And uh, he took it all in stride and uh, he became later on in the season, very much the, the heartbeat of this team. And you saw that with uh, the way, the reactions from guys like Adam Wainwright throwing to him after all the years mm -hmm. with Yachty, how he embraced what Wilson Contreras had to do and go through. And you you could see it on the field. When Wilson was going well, the team went a lot better as well. So uh, great selections there. We're going to move on to how we're going to fix this team for 2024. There's a lot of different options. So Brooke and I are going to dive into that next here on Locked on Cardinals. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book right now. New customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. And if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, 
there's no time to get in on the action any better than what we're doing right now because the app is really easy to use. You've got all the different sports available. You're talking NFL, college basketball is underway, NBA. We got the NHL and a wide range of uh, betting options available to you. The spreads, the player props, the over-unders. Uh, NFL begins again tonight. Uh, Bengals at Ravens this evening. Both teams coming off of disappointing losses at home. Vandals got the Ravens favored by three and a half, which I, I kind of like considering what the Bengals injury status is right now. Uh, Bears at Lions stood out to me. Lions favored by seven and a half. I got a lot of respect for Detroit right now. So that's one that I might jump on. And then, of course, the huge Monday night game this week. Super Bowl rematch with the Eagles at Taylor Swift Stadium to face the Chiefs. Chiefs two and a half point favorites there. And apparently both the Kelsey parents and the Swift parents are going to be there. A lot of people, a lot of eyes going to be on that game. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Kick off the NFL season with FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL. Once again, Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today here for you 24-7 covering the top sports stories of the day with local experts of Locked On plus our national shows, which cover every single league. So go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. Joined by Brooke Grimsley from 101 ESPN's The Opening Drive and uh, now that we've pointed out some of the broken parts of the Cardinals, we've talked about who are the guys that we were impressed with from last year. Now we get down to fixing this thing, Brooke. And uh, I want to start with, you brought up Wilson Contreras, our former catcher, that Yadier Molina guy. Rumors continue to swirl about him coming back. Thoughts on what seems to be an inevitable thing. Like as much as been brought up about it, it seems like it's going to happen. We don't know all the different you know, ways that it's going to be, like how much he's going to be around, what, what's going to happen that way. But it seems like he's coming back. What do you think that could do for this particular coaching staff, the team, and, uh, you know, what kind of influence do you think maybe Yachty has on bringing in some of these free agent pitchers that uh, might be interested in coming to St. Louis? Well, first, I think it would be huge for the Cardinals to bring back Yadier Molina. I mean, when you have somebody like Yadier Molina, a future Hall of Famer, obviously a Cardinals legend, saying that he wants to come back to your organization, J.D., you find a way to make room and to figure out wherever he needs to be because he brings so much value. Covering the Cardinals the past few years, just watching how he really took control of things. One, the way that he worked individually with those pitchers and made things so much easier for them when it comes to game planning. I see that as a huge benefit of being around Wilson Contreras and helping him because, as you know, that was supposedly one of the big issues the pitchers had with Wilson Contreras this past season. And just the value that he brings, that leadership that he brings into the clubhouse potentially in whatever role that it might be. Now, it seems like the biggest question when it comes to Yadier Molina and what everybody seems to be thinking is what the time commitment is going to be like from him. That seems to be the Cardinals' biggest question with him right now. John Mozeliak was quoted recently saying at the GM meetings that he's hopeful that Yadier Molina will return to the Cardinals in some sort of capacity here moving forward. And when it comes to the time commitment, I would say whatever works for Yachty and his timing, that's what you need to figure out. I think that he brings a lot of value. I preferably would like to see him be the bench coach for the Cardinals. Mm -hmm. But as of right now, that position is not open. Joe, Joe McEwing is still going to return to the Cardinals. They haven't made any changes to the coaching staff so far this season. But I think that he would be most valuable to the Cardinals in the dugout 
being to be there game in and game out as a strategist, game planning, everything, and also working with those players. And when it comes to attracting free agents, what do the Cardinals need right now? They need pitchers and <laughs> pitchers know who Yadier Molina is. Everybody knows who Yadier Molina is. And I think that's something that would be very enticing to a free agent pitcher. Say that they did hear some things about Wilson Contreras and have some concerns there. If you know that Yadi is around that could be helping Wilson Contreras and all the other catchers, I would see something that would be very enticing for any free agent pitcher. But if I'm the Cardinals, I'm finding a way to make this happen, whatever ca capacity it may be, I would make sure that he's coming to the organization soon. Because if you saw those interviews with Yachty recently that he did in Puerto Rico, he's made it very clear. He's kind of put the ball in the Cardinals court. He wants to. He wants to come back in some sort of role. He sees himself, I've been told, even as a manager of some team someday in Major League Baseball. He really does want to do that. And he's kind of put the Cardinals in a spot of, okay, I've made it clear that I want to come back. How do we make this work? Yeah. Uh, one of the things, too, is that uh, a lot of fans would like say, well, why don't we just scooch Ali over anyway and just let Yachty take over? Now, uh, I brought it up that, like, I feel like it might be a little awkward for Ali if Yachty's there just kind of looming as maybe if things don't work out, being that it's Ali's last year, then the easy transition would just have Yachty take over. And, uh, you know, I give a lot of credit to Ali if this does indeed happen, if he's cool with this, to be that kind of a guy, to be like, I'm okay with the fact that, my possible replacement next year is sitting right next to me, and he's quite popular compared to how things are for, for Ali after what happened in 2023. And I definitely understand that. I think that that's definitely the perception of if you bring in Yadier Molina, all the fans are going to be clamoring for him to be the next manager, mm -hmm. and people will be wondering, uh, okay, well, how does Ali feel about this? Is Ali going to be concerned? Ali has a very close relationship with Yadier Molina. If you remember that final year with Yadier Molina and Albert Pujols, they had a very good relationship, working relationship with Ali Marmol. So I think that that's something that you could see that would be happening again. Of course, this would be very different circumstances because he won't be a player anymore. But I mean, you have Yadier Molina as a sounding board when you need to bounce ideas of, off of. And if you're Ali Marmol and a young manager, he is still a very young manager, and you're still gaining that experience, having Yadier Molina as a sounding board, I think is a huge benefit. And I see Ali being very receptive to that. And you could also argue whether it was Yadier Molina coming in or whoever is the bench coach, I mean, you should have the personnel around you where they could be good enough to be a manager anywhere. You don't yeah. want a bunch of people around you who also can't be at that same level. So technically, anybody could be coming for your job. You can't get intimidated by that. Yeah, and we saw how successful one Skip, Skip Schumacher was uh, going to yeah. Miami, one's manager of the year. And, uh, of course, everybody's like, I can't believe we let him go. We still have Ali, but that's whatever. Every, can't please everybody. <laughs> all right, moving on to uh, free agents. All right, let's get into the pitching side here. Uh, names like Yamamoto, Snell, Nolam. Jordan Montgomery, obviously, we're very familiar with, Sonny Gray, et cetera. Um, what are your thoughts on the direction that you think the Cardinals should go in, and which one do you think they will go in when it comes to these top-tier, very expensive free agent pitchers that are available right now? 
Well, JD, if it was up to me, and we were talking about earlier how fun it is to speculate about spending other people's money, I would say go let, I'll go all in on Yamamoto, right? I mean, that's what everybody's thinking. 25 years old, I know that he's pitching over Japan, and so you don't know exactly how that will transfer over to Major League Baseball. But he, to me, he is the top prize. And mm-hmm. if I was able to land him, I would absolutely love that. Now, do I think that that's realistic for the Cardinals? No. And so if we're being a little bit more realistic, Aaron Nola is somebody that I do think would fit in well with the Cardinals. I think if you're looking for a horse, he can provide that. But it's interesting because we talked to Greg Amsinger today on our show this morning from MLB Network. He has great insight, great relationship with the ownership group, with the Cardinals, and obviously with John Mosaloc as well. And there was something that I asked Greg about when you're looking at what John Mosaloc was saying going into this offseason and their approach. They mentioned that they're going to have swing and miss be more of a priority this offseason mm-hmm. and when it comes to their pitching philosophy moving forward, which may sound a little bit silly to everyone because it's like, hey, I mean, what year is this? Everybody's looking for swing and miss stuff right now, right? I mean, everybody wants that. But if you want to win a World Series, you need a pitcher with swing and miss stuff, right? And that's why Blake Snell is kind of enticing to me in this top tier mm-hmm. conversation of starting pitchers. I mean, he had a 2.25 ERA, which was best in all of Major League Baseball this past season. And he was top five amongst pitchers in total strikeouts and obviously just won his second Cy Young here recently. That is somebody, if you are the Cardinals and you say, I want more swing and miss stuff, I want a strikeout guy. Blake Snell is somebody that I think could be very enticing and somebody I can see them going after this offseason. And Greg also agreed with that. Now, there are some concerns, and we had people bring this up on the text line is, whoa, whoa, whoa. Well, I mean, the bullpen was an issue for the Cardinals this season. If you're talking about a guy who maybe isn't going to be able to pitch like an Aaron Nola, necessarily be a horse, is that a concern? I think that you still address the starting pitching in a lot of different ways, and the bullpen is something that you work towards afterwards. I don't know if that's necessarily something that will be as big of a concern this season if you go about getting these starting pitchers in the right way. And I think Snell is still somebody that is very enticing because the swing and miss stuff is not necessarily something that you have within the Cardinals organization right now, especially in the starting rotation Mm -hmm. as we're looking at it. And you're not going to be able to just make that all of a sudden going into next season. So if you can't make it, then you might need to go out and buy it or trade for it. Yeah, and uh, I saw some disheartening news uh, yesterday, uh, an article on uh, MLB.com where we saw some of the projections for a guy like Snell, and we were I was kind of taken back where I was like, oh, five years, 130, might get it done. That's kind of crazy to me. And then we're seeing now it's looking like Steven Strasburg type of contract numbers. I was like, whoa, seven years, 245. Uh, that is not something that I think the Cardinals are, are willing to jump into that kind of a, a pool, which means – We'll have to come down to a different tier of starting pitchers. And that brings us down to, you know, guys like Marcus Stroman, uh, Michael Waka, Eduardo Rodriguez, uh, some names that people are, are sick of hearing from me, Seth Lugo, Nick Martinez, uh, Kent Maeda. Um, Mo has mentioned the words swingman. Uh, you know, he's d- done that where it's like two and a half starters is what we're looking for. Do any of those guys that are in kind of that second tier, do they interest you at all as somebody that the Cardinals should be targeting? Well, first, kind of addressing what you're mentioning there about the spending wise, I think Aaron Nola and you mentioned Blake Snell earlier. 
they're going to be very expensive because mm -hmm. how many teams right now need a starting pitcher like that? It's very clear that that's going to be a priority for multiple teams. So if you're the Cardinals, and we know that when it comes to modernizing, modernizing their approach to spending money on starting pitching, they don't exactly do that. So I can see them actually dipping into this tier that you're talking about. I think Lorenzen is interesting because he looked really good and then he looked really bad, especially towards the end of the second half of the season. But I think Waka and Martinez are the ones that I could personally see being two guys that the Cardinals would be interested in. Now, Michael Waka, for obvious reasons, the shoulder does concern me because that's something that has hampered him the past two seasons. So I can see that being a cause for concern. But obviously, we know his history with the Cardinals. Now, Martinez, he had a 3.41 ERA as a starter and a 3.48 ERA coming out of the pen. And he's the only pitcher in the majors who have at least 21 saves and 23 holds while throwing a little over 140 innings from 2022 to 2023. I can see that as a guy that the Cardinals will be very interested in. They were actually interested in him before they signed Steven Matz. I can see them revisiting that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there's also a couple of uh, names out there, which we can call them reclamation projects. I mean, they're not, you know, garbage or anything, but they had moments where they were really, really good at one time in their career. And then this past year didn't go so well. Uh, Lucas Giolito is obviously one of them who was very good for a while. And then he ended up on like nine different teams and things bottomed out for him. Uh, Luis Severino just a couple of years ago was huge. One of the top pitchers in baseball for the Yankees. Uh, injuries, and the same can go for Frankie Montas. Uh, so if the Cardinals were to take a flyer on one of those type of guys, is there a certain one of them that you would prefer them take a chance on? Oh, J.D., I think we all know kind of the clear front runner in this conversation. I don't know if it's any secret here. Lucas Giolito is somebody who is in need of a bounce back year, and he's a starting pitcher with a track record of success, right? I think that he's somebody that if I'm the Cardinals, I'm really looking hard at him, especially when you're talking about that swing man, somebody who is looking for a bounce back. And I know that in the second half of the season, maybe it was just a lot more to do with the trade and the environment, and that's what you're hoping if you're the Cardinals, but I feel like everybody right now is looking for their next Nathan Eovaldi, somebody who has that potential where there's maybe a little bit of risk there, but then a high upside. We saw how Nathan Eovaldi really evolved for the Rangers, obviously, where he was a big part of their success of winning the World Series. And I could see Lucas Giolito just kind of being in that same category where maybe he starts in the back of your starting rotation, but as somebody that has that potential to really move to the top of your rotation and be really successful. Now, the downside of Lucas Giolito, other than not knowing if this will be a bounce back year for him, which that's always unpredictable with any, any pitcher, right, is that John Heyman is expecting that he will get a contract in the range of 50 to 80 million this offseason. So that's something when we're talking about spending money and this money is going to start going away quickly for the Cardinals when they're addressing, hopefully getting one of those top starting pitchers and then maybe adding a guy like a Lucas Giolito, that money starts to dwindle away here. But I think that Lucas Giolito out of all those names has the most upside. Now, one way when we talk about the money that the, the Cardinals can avoid getting into these bidding wars with all these huge market teams, they can probably just outspend them if they want to, is by going to the trade market. So coming up next, we're going to do just that. We're going to go into the trade side of things and uh, see if we can find any 
anything worthwhile to uh, go pluck from somebody else and save a little bit of money at the same time. We'll do that with uh, Brooke Grimsley next on Locked on Cardinals. Once again, Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you uh, 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows, which cover every league. So go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. Once again, we're joined by Brooke Grimsley from 101 ESPN's The Opening Drive. And uh, we've talked free agents all of them sound great because all of them are better than what the Cardinals have right now. Uh, but they're very, very expensive. So another way, another avenue, if you will, that the Cardinals can try to fill all these holes is by going through the trade routes and plenty of speculation about who the Cardinals could or would deal to to go get some of this pitching they want. Um, let's start with the guys that you wouldn't want to trade, Brooke, if if we can. Like, you know, we've got plenty of names. Gorman, Libertor, Edmund, Donovan, Burleson, Carlson. All of them have been brought up and dangled out there as possible pieces in a deal to go get somebody. Any of those guys right there that you're putting your foot down, you're like, uh uh-uh, is not happening. Stop asking. Well, me personally, I don't think that there's anybody that should exactly be off the table other than your young stars and Jordan Walker and Mason Wynn. Other than that, I think that everybody should be made available. It's been very interesting to watch Dylan Carlson. He went from, you can't prime away from my cold, dead hands, to now he's a name that's being dangled out there when we're talking about trade bait, possibly, for the Cardinals. And so that's why I think that there's not anybody exactly off the table. And I know a lot of fans are probably saying, whoa, 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 what about Nolan Gorman? I mean, the left-handed power bat, why in the world would you want to get rid of that? I don't want to get rid of that. I think that a lot of people, and I believe them too when they say this, he could become the next Kyle Schwarber. And so you really do worry about that. And we have seen how trades have hurt the Cardinals in recent years and over the years where you see them to go on and be superstars elsewhere. And it's very painful to see, but the Cardinals are in a very weird and tough position. And when we're talking about the money we're spending or the lack thereof for starting pitching, it seems like the biggest move that they might make this offseason when adding to the starting rotation will probably have to come via trade just because we've seen that they haven't really modernized their approach to spending money on starting pitchers. And I doesn't, it doesn't seem to me personally like they're going to change that approach. So then right. they're probably going to have to pursue a trade. I think that personally, just from the reports, that they see a lot of value in a Lars Newbar, Jordan Walker. Those are the two names that seem to be completely off the table. Brendan Donovan is a name that is very interesting to me because I think personally the Cardinals see a lot of value in him. One, we saw his offensive upside, what he was able to bring to the table along with that versatility. That's something that I don't think that they necessarily want to part with. They like that versatility because obviously they like Tommy Edmond, but I think Brendan Donovan has a higher offensive upside than Tommy Edmond does. They're both very, very valuable. But this is the thing is if you're not going to do a puke point, you know, spending money wise, you're going to have to do a puke point when it comes to a trade. And so I don't think that there's anybody that should be off the table with those names that you listed. But I do think that Brennan Donovan probably could be best suited staying with the Cardinals because he brings a lot of different value in many different ways. And it's something that I've because I'm not 
around the other teams or anything. So I wonder how other teams value guys like Tommy Edmond and Brendan Donovan, which in St. Louis, we know they're, they're big pieces for us and we, yeah. we know their value. I wonder how everybody outside of St. Louis views them. If they're as big a deal as we think they are uh, Gorman, obviously everybody would love to have a Nolan Gorman coming up through their system who has elite 40 plus home run power from the left <laughs> side. And unlike Schwarber can actually play a little defense if you need him to on the infield. So makes him worth yeah. the, even, that much more. Um, want to get your thoughts on a, a couple of the guys that have been rumored to be available on the trade block and uh, see which one you think if you had to choose, which one do you think you would go after if you were in charge? We've got uh, Tyler Glass now from the Tampa Bay Rays, Dylan Cease from the White Sox, Shane Bieber from the Guardians, and then Alec Manoa from the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, out of that grouping there, is there a certain one that catches your eye that you're like, I kind of would put all my eggs in that basket if I could. Well, if you're not able to go out and get one of those top starting pitchers and spend money on that in free agency, then I would be trying to get Dylan Cease. Now, will the White Sox want to part with Dylan Cease? It doesn't really seem like they want to, but everybody has a price and everybody has you know something that they want. And the Cardinals have things that I could see the White Sox wanting. Now, the painful part with Dylan Cease is that Nolan Gorman, I think 100%, from everything that I've heard and understood too, Nolan Gorman is the type of guy that you would have to give up in that trade amongst other players, but he would be a big piece of that trade piece when you're looking at bringing Dylan Cease. But I think that there is a lot with Dylan Cease that would be very valuable for the Cardinals. And so I would look at him as a big option. Tyler Glass now, I think when it comes to if it's if there's a number one, it would be Dylan Cease. Number two, I would put Tyler Glass now. Now, I know he's had injuries, and that's a big part of his career and his story. But if you're wanting maybe not as much risk, which sounds weird to say when I'm talking about somebody with injury history, but when I'm talking about if you're worried about making another trade mistake, as we know, the Rays really don't like to spend a lot of money. He's due $25 million next season. And so I think that you would be able to bring him in without giving up a Nolan Gorman. Now, would you possibly have to give up a Tommy Edmund, a Brennan Donovan, maybe even a Gordon Graceffo, a pitcher that we haven't been able to see yet in the majors, but possibly has a lot of potential? Yes. But I think that Tyler Glass now, he has some ace-like stuff, and yeah. you wouldn't have to necessarily give up maybe a Nolan Gorman and able to get him in return, which is something that honestly, if I'm just kind of a lot this offseason, I've tried to put my head into what exactly John Mosellock and the Cardinals are thinking about and just kind of reading the tea leaves between what they're saying. I could really see them actually taking the Tyler Glass now route in this trade discussion. Yeah, he's filthy when he's on the mound. <laughs> and that's the that's the hardest part. <laughs> when he's also, on the mound. Yeah. And it's also a situation too where if things don't work out and he does break down and he doesn't give you what you thought you might get, like you move on from him. Like you're not stuck in one of these long six, seven years, you know, like the Yankees are with Carlos Rodon right now. Uh, exactly. You know, they're like, what have we done if this ends up being the way he is the rest of the way? Like you don't have to worry about that. And he's also one of those guys where you can give him the qualifying offer if he says, nah, go somewhere else as a free agent, you get a pick back. So at least you're not left empty handed. So there's other reasons why, I've become a fan of trying to go after him. I brought him up last offseason. I was like, why not target him now? Uh, but um, he seems one that I, I, I'm very interested in. Alec Manoa is an interesting story, too, because 
a guy who was an all-star in the ace of the Blue Jays staff coming into the year was ahead of Gosman and ends up falling off the face of the earth and then is now maybe their number five, still very young, still under a lot of control, uh, not expensive. Would you flip a Dylan Carlson for something like that, which is a bit of a lottery ticket and has proven that he can do it at the major league level? That's another guy that um, I find very interesting that if they were able to swing a deal, that uh, he's somebody that I I would definitely kick the tires on. Uh, Anybody else out there that uh, a preference of yours that maybe people haven't talked too much about that just uh, your, your own personal view is like, that's a guy I think we should be looking at as well. Well, when it comes to the bullpen, I know that's something that when you're addressing the offseason is something that the Cardinals will look at. Starting pitching will always be the priority. But I think a name that I could definitely see being circled back into the conversation is Jordan Hicks. Jordan Hicks obviously finished off with a fantastic campaign this season, even better when he was with the Blue Jays. But that's somebody I can see the Cardinals kind of circling back on, on seeing if they could bring him back. I think that Sean Manaya is another pitcher that is maybe in kind of that wheelhouse of being a swing man, because as John Moselak mentioned, they're going to address trying to get two starting pitchers and then maybe a half pitcher, which that kind of sounds funny when you say half a pitcher, because it sounds like half the person. But I think that he is somebody that is really intriguing that I can see the Cardinals possibly looking at. But I think that those are two names that have kind of been out there, but not necessarily linked to the Cardinals. I know that Jordan Hicks is one that's always going to be brought up until he is moved to another team. But I think Mm -hmm. there's a lot that is intriguing with both of them. I remember a few years ago, Sean Manaya, when he was uh, at the peak of his powers with the A's, like Cardinals fans were drooling over trying to get him into St. Louis. And now people forget that he's even a free agent. They, they don't even know. So, uh, yeah, definitely a name to keep an eye on as well. All right. Well, thank you, as always, Brooke, for for joining us here today. I appreciate your time. And uh, I'm excited about the offseason and uh, to see where this journey takes the Cardinals. Uh, eventually, we'll, we'll start getting some information trickle down um, in the next probably week. Things will probably start moving a little bit quicker. So uh, stay tuned. We'll have uh, all of the info here at Locked on Cardinals. And obviously, uh, give Brooke a follow on Twitter X and uh, always take a listen in at 101 ESPN on the opening drive. What, what time do you guys start in the morning? Because it's I know it's early in radio. Well, luckily, we're not super early for our actual start time. It's from 7 a.m. to 10 a.m., but I typically get up around 5 a.m. in the morning. So this is a little weird for me. When I told you I was a sports anchor, that's all nights. So we were in like the 6 p.m. and 10 p.m. shows. And so I've still been transferring over into becoming a morning person, but it's a little rough. I know that you did mornings, too. So if you have any tips for me on that, I I already got the coffee tip. But if there's anything else. (laughs) <laughs> Coffee's good. Squeeze in naps whenever you can. Naps yeah. are your friend. Yeah. <laughs> if oh, you're I able know. to ever shut it down for a good hour at a time, do it. Because that, that's the that's the best way. Because you know you got to stay up to watch the sports at night. And then you're like, oh my gosh, it's 12. I'm getting up in four hours. This is terrible. So Oh, I know. Yeah. Well, especially with the Blues, <laughs> they're playing like West Coast. That's oh, their yeah. West Coast trip right now. It's like a 930 <laughs> puck drop. What are we doing here? <laughs> You're like, I'll watch the highlights later. I don't care. I'm going to bed. (laughs) All right. Well, again, thank you very much, Brooke, for joining us. And uh, thank you to all of you who made Locked on Cardinals your first listen every day. If you haven't already, please give us follow on Twitter, accidental underscore Cardinals and at JD Sports Radio. Like and subscribe on YouTube to help our channel and our love for the Cardinals grow. You guys are the best fans in baseball for a reason. And we will see you next time 
on Locked On Cardinals.